This is the Turn on the Jets podcast, presented by Prime Sport. With the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. What should the Jets expect from you? Um, a lot of wins. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. In this week's episode, we are joined by Connor Hughes of The Athletic. He is a beat writer for the New York Jets who's been on this pod a few times. We're going to break down the Jets' week of joint practices with the Washington Redskins and also preview their game against the Redskins, which is kicking off tonight at 8 p.m. We're going to talk about a little of the offensive line concerns with some of the recent injuries, talk about a few under-the-radar players to watch, and also, of course, discuss Sam Darnold. Quick reminder that our live podcast and watch party is going to take place on August 24th at Willie McBride's in Hoboken, New Jersey on 6th and Grand. Make sure to come out, hang with myself, Connor Rogers, Greg Armstrong, and a few other different people from our site, and plenty of other Jets and Giant fans. Again, that's Willie McBride's on 6th and Grand in Hoboken, New Jersey on August 24th. And we are now joined by tonight's guest, Connor Hughes of The Athletic. He has been tracking the Jets all training camp, been down in D.C. with them for their joint practices. Connor, how you doing? Thanks again for joining us. Yeah, no problem, Joe. Thanks for having me on, man. So the Jets, it's been a long time since the Jets have done joint practices. Uh, and maybe we got a feel for why this week, not just with Jets practice, but with a few other joint practices. It feels like there's been fights, confrontations, all type of drama that goes along with these practices. And, of course, the Jets and the Redskins were no exceptions. What happened with all the various confrontations between uh, Trent Williams, the fans, uh, not Trent Williams, I'm thinking back to a longer time ago with Redskins, but between the fans, Terrell Pryor, what has been going on over these past few days with all these confrontations? Uh, I, I think it's just it's, – exactly what you expect when you hold joint practices uh with two teams which is kind of like what you said um i mean you, you basically got guys that have been hitting one color and, and one group of guys for a certain amount of time and then you get a chance where you put them all together and and you're, if you think about it man when you play when you play a football game right there, there's four quarters there's 60 minutes and and you know there's time in between snaps then you're on the sideline while the offense is on the field when you do these joint practices, you have, at least when the Jets and Redskins did it, you have the Jets offense versus the Redskins defense on one field and the Redskins offense versus the Jets defense on the other field. And those guys are banging into each other and hitting each other for three hours in 100 degree heat. I mean, look, tensions are going to rise. They're going to get annoyed. People are going to start saying things. And obviously the testosterone is going to get going and, and, and guys are going to start fighting. So, so that's just it's what you expect and it's what you see whenever you do these joint practices and it's the downside. But I, I think what, what coaches have kind of come to accept with it is that the, at least in some situations, the, the positives of these practices outweigh the negatives. And that's that you do get to see an entirely other team with their scheme and their offense and practice against other guys and other players. And, and you get to evaluate your roster in an entire other sense, because essentially you now have, extra preseason games in a way to break this down when you're doing joint practices because they do scrimmage at the end and you do see other players and other teams so it helps you evaluate your roster so you know when this thing comes down to it are the fights a big deal sometimes they're a little out of hand i mean i watched the fight uh deandre hopkins the texans wide out i saw he lost to helmet and the guys started punching each other i mean that's a little excessive 
the Jets thing was, was a fight, but I don't think it was as egregious as it was made out to be because, you know, there were guys that kind of were just pushing and they fell to the ground and the mass amount of players that were huddled around made it look worse than it was. But, you know, you've got to weigh, weigh, weigh the positives and the negatives of, okay, you know there are going to be fights, but you're also going to get this valuable practice tape. So what do you want to do? I want to take a minute to talk about Terrell Pryor, who is one of the more interesting acquisitions for the Jets this offseason. Two years ago, goes over 1,000 yards for the Browns. Last year was a major disappointment for the Redskins. He's basically been hurt for the duration of the Jets' offseason programs and didn't play in the first preseason game. He publicly said that he had broke his ankle, which Todd Bowles was not happy about, particularly knowing how Todd Bowles likes to keep all his information very close to the vest. There's been appears to be some highlights of him playing well there's been highlights of him getting in different fights meanwhile this entire group of receivers have you know continued to practice and people have been rising and falling on the depth chart we know where Robbie Anderson stands we know where Quincy Inouye stands when he's back if he's healthy we know where Jermaine Kerr stands after that everybody thought it was going to be Chad Hansen and our Darius Stewart it's really been more Trey McBride of all people and Charles Johnson where does Pryor fit into all of this? It does seem like he's still someone who's a lock to make this roster, right? It's just, where is he going to fit overall in the big picture with this receiver depth chart that's kind of been tipped on its head a little bit once you get past the starters? Yeah, I, I think it's, I think if, if I'm not, and I don't have his contract in front of me, but I think he's guaranteed $2 million this year, which tells me that his roster spot's safe. I mean, the Jets aren't going to give... I know it's just a one-year deal, but the Jets aren't going to give him a contract that, with, with that much guaranteed money and then just cut him. So I, I think that, that where he falls right now, and again, I, I know like what everyone saw during the preseason, Terrell Pryor has been practicing with the Jets. They're just taking a cautious approach with him in these preseason games as to not get him all injured and whatever. So uh, the way that the starting receiving rotation has worked is that the top three, which again, take into consideration Quincy and Owen is out, have been Tremaine Curse, Robbie Anderson, and Trey McBride, Trey McBride being the slot wideout. And the number two wideouts have been, excuse me, uh, Charles Johnson, as you mentioned, Terrell Pryor, and then Andre Roberts in the slot. Now, again, when Quincy Anunwa comes back, Quincy Anunwa goes to the slot, but the starting offense of Trey McBride slides on down. Chad Hansen's that guy that's kind of been falling over there to the third team. So I, I think that when the regular season hits, obviously the Jets aren't going to be rotating sets of receivers like this going on. So right now, Terrell Pryor is behind those two outside wideouts, you know, and, and, uh, and Robbie Anderson and Curse. If one of those guys goes down, specifically Anderson, Pryor is the next man up. But, but assuming everyone's healthy, he's going to be a guy that the Jets game plan for because he gives them something that other, other guys in this roster don't. I mean, the guy's 6'4", 230, I want to say, and he runs a 4'4", So, I mean, this dude is an athletic freak. I mean, he is a physical specimen. And when he's on, you saw what he could do during that season with the Browns, where he did 1,000 yards. So you've got a guy that can obviously play football. You've got a guy that brings to your offense something you don't have from other people. He just doesn't necessarily need to be a starter. So I think you'll see him game-planned. I think you'll see him substituted in in certain packages to run certain plays and do certain things, and that's how the Jets are going to use him. But you, know, you kind of mentioned the two guys that have, that have fallen uh, uh, really out of favor in terms of Ardarius Stewart and then definitely Chad Hansen because these are guys that, I mean, look, put, putting it point blankly, they haven't developed this hope. They're not making plays in training camp. They're not making plays in practices. Darius Stewart missed both of his targets in, in the preseason opener. Chad Hansen wasn't targeted, and the Jets are starting to look to other guys, which is where you see Charles Johnson step up. You see Trey McBride step up. You see Pryor in practice step up. And uh, you know they're trying to figure out who the best, best option is right now for this team. Looking down to the offensive line, this was a position that – 
Jet fans have been very concerned about, and I think rightfully so. I don't. I thought if they were at full strength going into Week One, the concerns might have been a little overstated. With the addition of Spencer Long, with Brian Winters theoretically being healthy, of course everything is not running that smoothly at this point. Kelvin Beecham uh, has been in a walking boot. He is expected to be back uh, for the regular season opener, but he's missing the entire preseason. We now found out their top tackle, their top backup tackle, Ben Angelana, is being put on IR. And not that Ben Angelata was, you know, Orlando Pace in his prime, but he has started multiple games for the team over the past two years and really was their top backup. And considering their left tackles hurt already, definitely a cause for concern. There's concerns about Brian Winner's health as he's been banged up. Is this team going to make a move, and are they going to maybe get creative with some of their lineups? They signed Travis Swanson, who started a lot of games for Detroit over the past two years, was not always very effective. From my understanding, was basically like Detroit's version of Wesley Johnson. But could we see the Jets maybe mix and match with some of their backups? And who, outside of Brent Qualley, who seems to be the guy who's stepping in for Kelvin Beecham, could be looking at more playing time? Well, that's the thing is, is I, I – you, you hit the nail on the head is that if the Jets starting offense or starting offensive line were healthy, I mean, they were probably pretty set. And, and the first week or so at camp, it looked that way. I mean, that offensive line looked good. And, and Spencer Long was a big reason why. But when you lose your starting left tackles and you lose your backup left tackles and you lose your starting right guard, uh, suddenly it looks it looks a lot different. I mean, Brent Qualley is not a starting left tackle in the NFL. And, and without Brian Winters, who a player of the Jets, invested a lot of money in not too long ago. I mean, without him in the offense, you kind of started to have to get fancy and creative with this. And one of the guys that stepped up and played uh, quite a bit now is Jonathan Harrison. You know, he, he started a couple games at center last year for the Jets when Wesley Johnson went down. They're using him in place of Brian Winters. Obviously, Brent Qualley is the guy over there at left tackle, but he's pretty much over there because the Jets don't really have anything else. You know, Tony Garcia was a dude that they claimed off the waiver wire uh, who, who had a promising start to his rookie year with the Patriots before blood clots ended that before ever pre- playing a preseason game. He really hasn't developed his hope. He's kind of like a, he's a skinny dude, you know, so, so strength is an issue. I mean, you see him line up, and I know he's wearing number 62, which tells you he's an offensive lineman, but, but he on the field, I mean, he looks like a, a, a skinny tight end, really. I mean, that, that's kind of what he is. So strength is an issue there. He's still getting himself acclimated after missing an entire season of football. And look, I think you you said it perfectly. This is a concern for the Jets. I mean, this is an issue for the Jets. And if they don't get Beecham back and ready to go in a full strength and they don't get winners back, I mean, this it's really not going to matter who you put back there under center if, if the guys in front of them can't protect them. Outside of the guys that we mentioned already, Chad Hansen or Darius Stewart, there's a few other recent draft picks who are trending towards the wrong side of the roster bubble. I'm talking more specifically about a guy like Lorenzo Malden, who missed last preseason game with an injury and seems to be falling behind again an outside linebacker slash edge rusher. Uh, Jordan Leggett uh, has also been hurt, and Clive Walford and Neil Sterling both played great in the preseason debut. Uh, What is Sterling's status, and do we feel like Leggett, because I know Sterling got banged up last week, do we feel Leggett, Malden, and maybe also another guy like Dylan Donahue are potentially at risk of being cut? Uh, is there any other recent draft picks or more sort of name players that Jet fans have been spending all offseason talking about who might not actually end up sticking on the final 53? Uh, Malden, I think, is a big one. That, that, that's the guy that you mentioned. I mean, I, I'm at this point having a hard time seeing a spot for him on the roster. Um, he, he's been passed up. But even before this injury took him off the field, I mean, the dude was working fourth 
in the outside linebacking rotation there. So, so it's just, I mean, even when he was on the field, he wasn't really making plays and he wasn't exactly playing with the starters where he was going to have a role on Sunday. So at this time, I think it's just a foregone conclusion that he's probably not going to be on this team. Uh, Neil Sterling's health, uh, he was in pads and stretched and warmed up with the Jets. He just didn't practice during these joint practices. So I think that he will probably be back next week or at least doing something next week. The Jets really like him. You know, he's not necessarily a tight end. He's not, you know, in terms of the traditional, he's going to go block people. He just doesn't have that ability. But what he does have is he's kind of fits that H-back mold. So I think he's a guy that, that uh, will be back eventually. Uh, you mentioned Jordan Leggett. He practiced this week, so he's back. He's going to play a ton in this preseason game because Herndon and, uh, and Sterling figure not to play. So the Jets are pretty much left right now with three tight ends. And Walford Tomlinson, who's really just another blocker. And then you've got uh, Leggett. So he should see a lot of action. He did play really well. Uh, this last practice here on Tuesday, uh, caught two passes in that in that final drive from Sam Donald on corner routes, which, which kind of showed his ability. And the Jets love his upside. The dude just got to stay healthy, so he's somebody to watch. Uh, but other than that, man, I think that that you know this roster is what it is. But the guys that you mentioned there are of, of or of the guys that you mentioned that are in jeopardy of getting cut. I, I think that the big one, obviously, is Lorenzo Mall and the two other underperforming guys, Stewart and Hanson. I, I don't look. Mike McCagnan's a tried and true scout. That's where he cut his teeth. He loves his draft picks. He values his draft picks. I find it very, very hard to believe that he's going to let go of both those guys. Uh, the other one, I just, I just remember the other guy that you mentioned, Dylan Donahue, had a really nice game or a really nice fourth quarter against the Falcons. Um, his big issue is his suspension. You know, I, I don't think the Jets cut him just because I don't think they're going to be willing to give up with a guy uh, who's had those personal demons, which he's battling uh, in terms of the alcohol and those 2D uh, DUIs. They've been known to be a team that sticks with players to try to help them through. They are not a team that usually cuts their guy when they need him most, so I think he'll stick around. Uh, but the big thing with him is he's probably going to face the suspension there to start the year. I mean, those are two charges that now he's pled guilty to. Uh, the legal process has kind of finalized itself. He's, he's been handled, handed his punishment. Now the league will likely step in. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's docked. I mean, what is it, normally three, four games to start the year, and, and that's he'll start the season on the suspended list, kind of like uh, Stewart. Looking ahead to the game, uh, when we publish this, will be tonight. Am I getting ahead of myself in thinking that it's basically a foregone conclusion at this point that Sam Darnold is going to start this game and is the overwhelming favorite, barring injury, knock on wood, to be the starting quarterback week one against Detroit? It just feels like all the momentum is going in that direction. He played very well against Atlanta, as did Teddy Bridgewater, but the reality is when you look at the contract situations and the compensation that was given up and who the long-term quarterback is going to be here. Is there any reason to expect that Darnold is not going to start the next two preseason games and start week one? And I think what's interesting is that this is the exact same thing the Jets did last year with Christian Hackenberg. They started Josh McCown for one series in week one. And they started Hackenberg the next two games. The difference, of course, is that Hackenberg is not an NFL quarterback. But it seems like they're running that exact same process, except Darnold's going to be able to take advantage of the opportunities being given to him. Yeah, I, I think I think you hit it on the head. I mean, he's – again, Todd Bowles isn't going to say it, but all signs point to this guy getting the start tomorrow night uh, or, or getting the start when, when the Jets play the Redskins. And then obviously they're probably going to give him the start as well against the Giants. And I think at this point he just needs to show that he's capable of playing quarterback, which usually means – I mean, he's got, I'm not saying he has to go out there in the first half of their four touchdowns and he doesn't have to do that. But if he goes out against the Redskins – 
and plays, say, four drives in the first half and then gives way to Teddy Bridgewater or, say, he plays into the third quarter and he gets himself six, say, say five drives, right? He plays. If he, if he you know, completes 12 of 20 passes and leads the Jets to, to say, 10 points, he doesn't have to throw a touchdown leads the Jets to 10 points, doesn't make any egregious mistake or, or kind of do it, and will pretty much do what Christian Hackenberg did against the Detroit Lions last year, I think that that all but solidifies himself as a starter and, and the only or start, solidifies himself as the week one starter. And the only way that that would change is if, again, he had a complete and utter meltdown against the Giants. And then if he plays against the Eagles in the final preseason game, he has another complete and total meltdown. I mean, at this point, I think that all, all Darnold has to do is he needs to show that he is capable of being a starting quarterback. He did that last week against the Falcons and their backups. If he does that again, I keep stressing this, he doesn't have to throw seven touchdowns and light it up with 400 yards. But if he comes out and he plays well and he plays good against the, against the Redskins starters, then the job's pretty much his, barring, barring an unforeseen colossal meltdown against the Giants the next week. All right, one last question before we let you go, Connor. One player on each side of the football who fans should watch out for against Washington, who's maybe not... Uh, getting talked about all that much, or maybe has flown under the radar a little bit. But who's one guy on the offense and one guy on the defense who fans should particularly keep an eye out for when they're not too busy fawning over Sam Darnold? Yeah, yeah right. It's kind of Sam Darnold, and, and then wait a minute, there are other players on this roster, right? I mean, it's kind of what it's been like uh, throughout camp. But I think the guy on offense is Trey McBride. You mentioned him, the kind of the guy who's come out of nowhere, uh, former Lion draft pick, seventh round pick, played a little bit there for the Bears. He's had a tremendous camp with the Jets. I can't stress that enough. I mean, back in OTAs and minicamps, this is a dude that was working with, with the fourth and fifth stringers, and now suddenly he's right in there with the one. So he's somebody to watch, but I think don't necessarily look for what he does on offense. See if he can find a role for himself on special teams, because that's the thing, is that when Quincy and was healthy, he's going down to being the fourth, uh, you know, the number four wide receiver, the second team wide receiver, so he's going to have to show that he can contribute elsewhere, whether that's with a punt return or a kick return. He ran a 4-4-1 at the combine, so he's got some speed uh, or as a gunner, he's going to have to show he can contribute elsewhere. I think that's what I would keep an eye on against Washington. And defensively, uh, it was the pass rushing was an issue for the Jets uh, this, during these joint practices. I mean, they were handled, and that's probably an understatement and not a strong enough adjective uh, during the one-on-one drills between Washington's offensive line. I know Washington has some good players, Trent Williams, Brandon Sheriff, but but I mean, it was it was a bloodbath and not in the Jets' favor. Uh, I, I would look for some of these younger outside linebackers to potentially make a stand. You know, Jordan Jenkins, I know he's not necessarily an under-the-radar player, but he flashed a little bit last week against the Falcons. See if he takes another step forward as a pass rusher. Frankie Luvu, an undrafted guy who, who has turned some heads and is working some with the first team. Brandon Copeland, I think those are the guys that you want to watch to see if they can start making some plays here against Washington, whether it's their first-team line or second-team line, just, just see if they can't do something. You know what I mean? So I, I think those are the guys that, that I'd keep an eye on. All right, Connor, thank you again for joining us. Everybody, make sure to go follow Connor on Twitter at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. He covers the New York Jets for The Athletic. Connor, thank you again for joining us. Yeah, no problem, Joe. Thanks for having me on, man. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. And thank you again to Connor Hughes for joining us. Before we sign off, I want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by Razor Sport. 
R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T.com. Make sure to sign up, join the members section, get ready to get the top gambling advice out there now that we are legal here in New Jersey. Give them a follow on Twitter at Razor Sport Club. And of course, check out the members section at R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T.com. Make sure to hit us with a rating and subscription on iTunes. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Google Play, and TurnOnTheJets.com. Thank you again, everybody. We'll be back this weekend with a new episode answering all of your questions sent in via Twitter.